over the last month or five weeks, something like that, I've been preaching on just a whole lot about Jesus and the church, his church. I wrote down a, kind of a summary this morning that I just wanted to, to read this summary of I believe, I believe. Before I start to read that, I want to just, I want to just pray one more time. It's, just, it's so awesome to be in such an incredible atmosphere of his presence, almost electrified. It's like, ooh, good stuff. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just come before you with humble grateful hearts of thanksgiving this morning and we just say have your will have your will as you have this morning already you would continue to have your will we just give and commit to you the rest of this service and I just say I commit myself that you use me this morning as you see fit to bring forth the message that you have given me in such a way that it will have the impact that you desire for your congregation this morning. In Jesus' name. And together everyone say with me, Amen. I believe. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who lived on earth as a man of flesh, yet within him the holy perfection of God. Being the fullness of God as a man. I believe he was born of a virgin, crucified on a cross as the sacrifice through his shed blood and his death for the sins of all mankind. I believe he was buried by man in a tomb and resurrected by the power of God in three days to be reunited with God, His Father, after successfully completing His mission on earth in some in thirty-some years. That mission to build the church of which He would be the head. Purposed to bring reconciliation of fallen man to their creator, his father, God. I believe that Jesus recruited disciples, trained them up to be apostles, the foundation of his church. Then fulfilled his promise to them by sending them in his physical absence, the Holy Spirit to empower, to embolden, to guide them in all truth as they established his church. I believe this is the infallible word of God and it is our guide book. It is his truth, it is his witness, it is his story, and it is for us. When I think about how Jesus came, 
talking about those apostles. I've, I shared and talked quite a bit about, about Peter, how Peter being selected and Jesus saying, upon this rock I will build my church, imperfect, impetuous, all of the things that Peter was, God saw his heart, and, and, and Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church. We remember that. Imperfect Peter. But the rest of the disciples, I wanted to talk, take just a few moments to talk a little bit about, about the rest of the disciples that made up, became the apostles that made up the cornerstones, the foundation of the church that Jesus came to build, that would destroy the works of the devil, that would set up and establish the plan, the pattern, our way of salvation and reconciliation to our Father. The apostles. I did a little study trying to figure out where they came from, what they had done, what professions that they were in. And you know what? Not one of them was a priest. Not one of them that I could see actually served in the temple. So they were not trained up Men. They didn't come out of Bible school with degrees. They didn't have theology degrees. They weren't raised up, trained up, and educated. They were men that he saw their hearts and said, On these guys, these men, I will build my church. Like, whoa. Do you know that not one of them was a Pharisee? a Sadducee, a scribe, or a real highly educated. Man, they were at least, it appears to me that possibly seven of them were at least part-time fishermen. Four of them for sure fishermen. A couple of them probably part-time fishermen, although we know were part-time fishermen. And a couple more that may have been. There were also a couple of businessmen there was a tax collector of all things, the tax collector. He was the wealthy one of the bunch, probably helped fund some of the, some of the uh, ministry of Jesus. And then there was Simon, the political... What would we, what would we call... What, what, what did they call him? The... Uh, Zealot, zealot, yes, yes. The zealot, the politician, the, pol the political revolutionist, political, so someone who was definitely into politics and, and very controversial. Simon the zealot. Okay, so those are the people that he built his church on that would establish the way of salvation, the way of reconciliation, for you and me to come back to God. Now, I want to go to uh, a scripture. I feel like, man, we already had amazing church. We've already had amazing church. Uh, uh, but I want to get some scripture in. I want to read to you a little bit and talk about something else that how in what we've just described is how he has selected the apostles to build a church on. I believe he's teaching a real lesson right here in Luke, the 10th chapter of 
Luke, if you'll turn with me, I'm reading from, I'm teaching this morning, reading and teaching from New Living Translation, not my typical. Luke 10, verses 41 and 42. Now I'm going to back up to 38, verse 38. Jesus visits Martha and Mary. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Who invited Jesus into their home? Martha. It was Martha that invited him. This is the story about Mary and Martha. Martha, I just want you to, I believe this is significant, I want you to know that it was Martha that invited him. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was worrying over the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. And so, of course, the Lord, in his sympathetic ear and, and mode, heard her and said, Oh, Martha, I'm so sorry that... You're having to do all of the work? No, no. He rebuked her pretty quickly. The Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you're so upset over all these details. There's really one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and I won't take it away from her. Mm, what do you think that was? Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up a little bit. I talked a couple of weeks, two or three weeks ago about where I had a vision and the Lord showed me very clearly in that vision and I heard the voice of God, the one, one of two times that I heard the voice of God who said, it's about my presence, not the plan. It's about my presence, not the plan. You'll notice that <laughs> how service this morning went. We had a lot of things planned this morning, but how the most important thing is how we entertain the presence of Jesus. And we certainly diverted, took about a 90 degree turn from the plans we have. If I were to show you, you know, the order of service, an order of service is a guideline for us. It's, it's the guideline, and, and that's, that's what, we, what we use and where default is. That's, that's our default plan if the presence of God doesn't show up. If Jesus shows up in a powerful way and we feel led that we need to go that direction, we're quick to go that direction. As you noticed this morning, first Tim, under the presence of God, he just said, well, we, we need to just wait. We need to just wait. We need to just soak in this presence. You know, sometimes in, in worship, like even in VSSM, sometimes there will just, even in VSSM, in VSSM particularly back there, there will be a time of just soaking. Sometimes people are sitting, laying on the floor, on the chairs, just soaking in the presence of God. Because that's what we do. When we're in His goodness, in His presence, we just enjoy that presence. We soak it up. Uh, Ephesians 11.6 says, He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And one of those amazing rewards is just to get to experience that, that, oh, that perfect peace, that peace, that indescribable peace 
where there's joy, where there's peace, where sometimes we don't even know what to do with ourselves, whether to run in circles, whether to just cry, jump up and down, or scream. You know what I'm talking about? What that presence. He's the rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. Dominic was talking about, we're going to tackle you, we're going to chase you, we're going to find you, we're going to say yes, and we will be rewarded for that. He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Okay, and I believe right here that something happened that changed the customs. Like, as Martha went to Jesus and said, Jesus, make her come and help me because that's what women are supposed to do. Wow, really got quiet right there. <laughs> the women are supposed to make the meal, and they're supposed to serve the meal. It's like, Jesus, make her come and help me, because that's the way we always do it. That's the way we've done it. That's the way it's designed. That's the way it's supposed to happen. Jesus, make her come and help me. This is out of whack here. And Jesus said, I mean, and I think, it's like, wow. Now, wait a minute. Who, who invited him to come? Martha invited him to come. And she was really excited about him coming. And she got so wrapped up in all of the details that was going to be necessary so she could have a great meal because he had a dozen guys with him. And who knows how, who else that she may have invited because Jesus was going to be at her house. So this is a big deal. She's got to do everything just right. Are you with me? Yeah. She's got some planning to do. She's got, got to have everything just right. Got to be like at my house. If anything's messed up, nobody can come in my house. So, oh, Can't be preaching to any dark spots now. I'm going to have to look over here now. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> wow, you really messed me up there, Ruth. Okay, no, 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 no. But so many details that had to be dealt with that she forgot what she had even asked him to come into her house for, and that was to be able to enjoy his teaching and to enjoy his presence, just to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. But it's like, she got so caught up in all of, the, all of the planning and all of the details, and Jesus says, oh, these details, you're so worried and you're so caught up. You've missed the biggest point and the biggest reason and the biggest opportunity, Martha. I'm here. I'm here. And Mary knows what's most important. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, His righteousness, get into His presence, and then the rest of this stuff can all just make sense. It'll work out. It'll work out. Okay? And I also believe that Mary sitting at His feet with all of these other men was making a complete statement where he said, Mary has chosen well. Because there was a call on Mary's life, I believe. This was breaking the mold. <laughs> shattering the mold. It's like, Mary can be 
an apostle. Mary can be a prophetess. Mary can be because she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's learning directly from Jesus. I think here's where it... I never heard that before, but I really believe that. I felt like as I was studying this, the Holy Spirit said, here's where the mold was broken, right here. And, and, and Mary can be and Mary can do what I've called her to do by sitting in my feet and absorbing all that I have for her. Oh, that's good. Mm. <laughs> Never heard that before. It's good, good chicken. Okay. It's a little harder to digest there. Empowered, emboldened, led into all truth, the one that will lead us into all truth, that Holy Spirit. Wow. Uh, I say, wow. I have, it's 10 minutes till 12, and I've just made the introduction. Uh, I'm going to need to jump a little bit. Fast forward here. One of the things that we are to do... Uh, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. <laughs> Holy Spirit, create the flow. <laughs> okay. Something that's really important for us to know, when we, we're, we're coming to church to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ. Him, the head of the church. He's the one that established the church. He's the one that put the gifts in the church. He's the one that passes out through the Holy Spirit, passes out all of the different spiritual gifts, and even the gifts that we, that we have that, that, that we function in everyday life with, you know, the gifts that we are created with, because they're a part of the purpose that he has for our lives. Okay, the, 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 the hander out, like Tim says, the hander out of the gifts. But 43% uh, of people, here, here's a, something that I, I did a little bit of study here in the last couple of days, 43% of people that come to Christ is before age 13. Almost half of people that come to Christ is before age 13. So do you know how important it is that we're teaching? It was so cool to look up there and see all those kids in the balcony. Most of you didn't get to see that, but I was just looking up there just like being blessed, like, oh, this is so cool that they're in here being a part of worship, yet they're worshiping by themselves up there. Uh, it's, it's just awesome. I, I love what's happening in our children. And like, like you've heard me say multiple times, there is no junior Holy Spirit. So it's so important that before the age of 13, as these are coming up through our children's church, that they are learning. And, and the majority of, of the beliefs that they're going to have, that they're going to stand on the rest of their lives, they're learning before the age of 13. So 
while they're open and while it's awe and wonder and a just incredible journey and experience, we want to be pouring into those little ones, to those young ones. We want to get them here. When we begin to realize, when I'm watching what was happening this morning and just, just thinking and processing, you know, it, it is so much about purpose rather than preference. When we come to church and just think about what's the purpose? What's the purpose? When, when you see that we, we sing a song and, and, and we sing sometimes over and over and over again, it's like, why do we do that? Why do we keep singing the same lyrics over and over again? Because our leaders are feeling that that's where Jesus is leading them. Holy Spirit is directing them to do that because they feel the Spirit on that song, on those words, on those lyrics. And we can sit back there and say, Shimini, Christmas. One song lasts 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Or we can acknowledge, we can absorb, we can experience God in that moment and His presence on what's happening right there. And we have to come together as the body of Christ, as the believers, as part of His church, thinking of purpose rather than preference. We're here for a purpose. A divine purpose, not a preference. Sometimes it's our, pref our preference that will lead us to like-minded people, and if that's what we're just looking for, is just like-minded people, it can even become more like, if it's just a social event, I mean, there's optimists, there's lions, there's elks. What we want to do is what Mary wanted to do, make sure I said the right one, and that is get into the presence of God to be able to sit at the feet of Jesus and enjoy all that he has for us. Soak it up. Not be a critic like food critic, a connoisseur of food. We don't want to be church connoisseurs. Are you with me? It's about purpose, not preference. Sixty-four percent of people that come to the Lord is before age 18. Before age 18. Again, I say how important it is that our children are hearing, are learning at home and at church to know what they believe by the time they turn 18. They need to know what they believe, know who they are in Christ, know the power of prayer. And understand the prophetic word. Our kids are learning to prophesy back here. When they come home, I know that. <laughs> okay. Ah, 
man, I just don't know which way to go. I had so much to, to talk about this morning here. I'm not... Uh, Okay, we're going to go to we're going to go to uh, Ephesians four, yes, Ephesians four eleven through sixteen. Talking more about building that church. Talking about Jesus with eleven, he's ascended to the highest heights, descended to the lowest depths. Says that, but verse 11, he is the one, he, meaning Jesus, is the one who gave these gifts to the church. Everybody say gifts. Gifts. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. The responsibility of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers is to equip. The mission statement of LA Church is to equip and empower you to fulfill God's to <laughs> to fulfill your purpose in Christ, to fill, fulfill God's will in your life. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, which is the body of Christ, until we come to such unity in our faith. How do we achieve unity in our faith? By realizing it's about purpose, not preference. We're here for a common purpose, not just a preference. And then we begin to establish unity in our faith. We may not just completely agree with something for a while, But if we can come together on what we do believe, and we can be quick to forgive one another and not take on... Then we can come to a place of unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, Jesus Christ, that we will be mature and full-grown in the Lord, measuring up to the full stature of Christ. See, we, we were called to be conformed, not just transformed, but conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We were predestined to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 30, I think, 28, 29, 30. Okay, I want to grab another really quick. Ephesians 4, 32 We'll start with 30. Don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He's the one who has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words. Everybody say harsh words. And slander. We don't need to be talking about other people unless it's we're encouraging them or talking about the good things that we see in them, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, 
just as God through Christ has forgiven you. We'll be judged with the same measuring stick that we judge others. We need to be quick to forgive. And we need to not take on offense. Benji says so often, he says, I don't have to do a lot of forgiving. He said, because I have feathers like a duck. It just runs off my back, so I don't have to worry about all that <laughs> forgiveness stuff. I'll say, you know, that, that is awesome to be unoffendable. Then we can experience that unity because so, oh boy. Because so oftentimes we hear through a filter of hurts from our past. And somebody can say something to us that they have no idea what they're, <clears throat> how they're, what, that they're speaking to us through something that happened in our past. And we take an incredible offense to that and they don't even understand why, how they've even offended you. <clears throat> Does that make sense? So we walk away <clears throat> offended, hang on to an offense, and can't even see that person the same way that we once did. And that is not what we're supposed to be doing as the body of Christ. It's unity when we come to a place of unity in the Spirit. I say <clears throat> something that I'm going to go ahead and talk on this for just a couple of minutes, and then we'll fast forward. Uh, I, I did a little, I, I came to a place myself thinking, man, I am so good at forgiving, I am so good at forgiving, there's so much junk and stuff that's happened in people that I have forgiven, and uh, <laughs> there was a time that I ran into somebody that I didn't even want to see, it's like, ugh, man, I would like to just pretend like I didn't even see him, walk around like this, and I thought, oh my goodness, and Holy Spirit started speaking to me, and saying, you're holding on to an offense. You said you forgave him, but you're holding on to an offense. You need to repent, ask forgiveness for that. It's like, yeah, but I'm not the one that did anything wrong. You need to repent, ask my forgiveness, and then pray for his wholeness and healing and blessing. We are to pray for those who despitefully use us. It's like, oh, that applies like that? It's like, oh. And when I was able to do that, instead of seeing and thinking and having the words come through my head, well, I should just tell him. It's like, oh, stop it. Stop it. And the way that I got that to stop was to start praying for him that he would be blessed, that he'd have an, an amazing and an incredible experience, and that God would touch him and refresh him. And when I did that, oh, there's such freedom. It's 12 minutes, uh, 5 minutes after 12, I think. Next week, we will uh, continue on this church and gifts. And I think this is a great place to, 
to stop unless you guys want to stay for another 25 minutes. Um, well, I am, <clears throat> I think this is a great place to stop. <clears throat> I heard a yes over there from the front row. <clears throat> Not sure if that was Tim, Benji, or if it was Pastor Rich, but it sure sounded like front row there to me. <laughs> Let's, yeah, let's conclude on that tender-hearted love towards one another and complete forgiveness and that we recognize in ourselves when we're holding on to an offense because that's what holds us back. See, that grants the enemy access into our lives. He has legal access to bring confusion, to bring doubt, to bring all of these crazy thoughts when, when it's like, giving space in your head to someone that you should have completely forgiven. You're allowing them to, to continue to actually torment you. Because you hear that voice and you begin to think, well, I could just tell him because blah, 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 blah. When you rerun conversations in your head about somebody, you're holding on to an offense and you need to forgive somebody but even more importantly you need to ask forgiveness you need to repent and you need to start praying for that person got it all right let's stand then oh father we just thank you this morning we thank you for your goodness we thank you for your love. We thank you for that incredible presence that we've felt. We thank you for healings that have taken place, for emotional healings that have taken place. I thank you for chains of bondage that have been broken off. And I say, Father, let each one of us, Holy Spirit, come right now. Come into this room over each one of us. Settle over each one of us right now. Holy Spirit, come. Settle over this congregation, over each person that is now standing Show us, each one, reveal to us an offense that we've hung on to, that we've been hanging on to, thinking that we have forgiven someone. Oh, I've walked way past that. I've forgiven them. I've forgiven him. I've forgiven her. I've forgiven them. Yet, still conversations come up in our mind. I should have told him. I should tell him. I should, or, oh, Lord. I don't want to see him. I want to walk on the other side of the street. I don't want to see her. I feel so uncomfortable in his or her presence. When that person comes to your mind, that situation comes to your mind. It's asked that you completely forgive them, that you ask God forgiveness, that you repent for hanging on to that offense, and that you begin to pray for that person. Right now, as we just take a few more minutes, that we can all walk out of here completely clean, showered up and clean, offense-free. Offense-free. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, show us, convict us, and we repent. We repent. And we pray for those who have hurt us, who have offended us. And we just thank you for freedom. <laughs> this is Freedom Sunday. We just thank you for that freedom in you. And I bless each one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.